the, the new year is, is always a time to uh, maybe, maybe reflect a little bit and uh, maybe, maybe resolve to, to do some things. Uh, you, may have, you may have noticed in the picture from Haiti that uh, they are worshiping outside this morning. And wouldn't it be kind of cool to live in a place where the weather would allow us to worship outside year-round? Lori and I get to experience that when we visit our youngest son, Taylor, and his wife, Katie, in Malibu. Uh, they worship uh, right across PCH from Zuma Beach under a tent year-round. And, and so it's, it's, it's kind of cool to be able to, to do that can't do it here in uh, northeast Texas where we experience uh, all four seasons, you know, very, uh, very beautifully uh, here. But last week in, in our worship, uh, the speaker who was uh, Rob Shear, he is a professor, a uh, business professor at, at Pepperdine, he gave a resolution kind of sermon and, and, and challenged us. Uh, to make some resolutions. And he gave some statistics, some recent statistics of how many Americans, I think it's a little over 50%, typically or traditionally make New Year's resolutions, but, but only 5% actually carry through. And, and so it's, it's a traditional time of year uh, to reflect and to maybe uh, resolve to do some things. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to reflect uh, just a little bit, and then I'm going to challenge us to resolve to do two things. Now, you may have your, your own list of revolutions, but, uh, resolutions, but I'm going to give you two more. And, and really, they're, they're pretty simple, okay? And, and maybe we can have uh, some fun uh, together as, as a church with, with these two resolutions, and we'll get to that in, in just a moment. But there are five things that I want us to remember from 2018. Since I have been here, July 1, my official start date, I have preached 25 Sunday morning sermons. And the sermon topics have, have focused around the themes of unity, worship, discipleship, and we used the story of Jonah to talk about evangelism. And in these 25 Sunday morning sermons, guess what? I have made 105 points. No one seems to be impressed by that. All right. But there are five points that I want you to remember. Five that, that I think uh, are, are the most important in the short time that, that I've been here, as we leave 2018 and as we move in uh, to 2019, five points that, that must remain with us, okay? Number one, on May 27th, um, we came in to visit that particular weekend, and I began a series of sermons that resumed in July when uh, we returned to begin our, our full-time ministry here based on unity, unity of, of believers, and especially 
unity among us here at uh, Lamar Avenue. And our text was Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. And we began that series by making this point. The unity of the church is essential to God's eternal purpose. And, and in the rest of that series, we, we discussed together the importance of, of loving each other. And, and understanding we are different. Each of us, we, we come from a variety of backgrounds and we're, we have a variety of personalities. But through Jesus, we are united. There, there is a bond that is to exist among us. And it's, it's kind of that, that old loyalty thing. You know, if, if we hear someone talking about a brother or sister, we come to their defense. And, and in a community the size of Paris, Texas, if, if we're fussing, not only do we know it, everybody in the town knows it, right? I mean, that's what they're talking about. When churches are quibbling, okay, and, and members of churches are, are fussing at each other, and so the importance of being united uh, as the body of Christ and, and the importance of loving each other and supporting each other as we seek to serve God together in this uh, community. A second point, as we moved from the unity of believers to connecting with God, right? uh, the first two components of our uh, vision statement, we talked a lot about worship and what it means to worship, and the importance of preparing uh, for worship, and uh, the fact that, that, that worship is not just something you go to, but it is something that you do. We made that point from Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and in verse uh, 28, and, and we developed that point, and the importance of, of preparing the importance of participating uh, together. I really appreciate the way Ray uh, includes us and involves us and challenges us together as a congregation to praise God uh, together and how what we do together every Sunday morning, it's designed not only to exalt God, but it's also designed to edify and encourage us and to send us out changed people, hopefully better prepared for the week ahead, as, as God seeks to use us as his people to take forth the gospel of Jesus uh, Christ. We then move uh, to another aspect of uh, connecting with God from our vision. And, and to me, this is the most important point that I've made since I've been here. And in my opinion, will remain the most important point until God calls me home. I mean, I think this is the number one point for God's church wherever. Paris, Texas, Oklahoma City, Haiti. This is it. And we made this point from the Great Commission in Matthew 28 on September 9th. Disciple-making is our number one priority. Right? And, and maybe I should rephrase that a little bit. Disciple-making must be our number one priority. Right? To go forth 
And, and we made the point uh, in that lesson, you know, we, we fulfilled that aspect of the Great Commission. We usually go somewhere every single day, right? We're going somewhere. We go to work, we go to school, we go to the store. If we have to, we go to Walmart and we work on our patients, you know, right? But we're going somewhere, right? It's the making of disciples that, that we must, we must focus upon. And then we, we made the, the point ne the next week, in order to make disciples, we must be disciples, and so we spent uh, really several weeks, seven or eight weeks, talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. By definition, a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. A disciple is one who sits at the feet of Jesus and not only learns from him, it becomes the disciple of Jesus' purpose to be like him. To learn, yes, and to take that learning, to take that knowledge and become uh, skillful disciples as we live as much like Jesus as we can. Unity of the church is essential to God's eternal purpose. Worship is not just something you go to, it is something you do. Disciple-making must be our number one priority. And in order to make disciples, we must be disciples. And then finally, from Jonah 1 and verse 3, if God says go, and He has, as we've already mentioned, we must not say no. Right. And so as we reflect upon 2018, and we f reflect upon and, and, and try to remember what we have shared together from this pulpit. At least, yeah, I, I, I don't expect you to remember all 105 of those points. I don't even remember all 105 points that I made. But let's remember those five. Right? And, and at least carry that from 2018 into this new year. New year is a time to reflect. But it's also, as we mentioned, a time to resolve. And I, I want to challenge us to make these two resolutions, okay? The first is, don't be misinformed. Don't be misinformed. Why is that important? Well, we live in a society and we live in a culture that is very relative, we, we live in, in a society and we live in a culture of half-truths or alternative facts or fake news. And so we need to be very careful about what we accept as truth. And, and what is true out there in this, in this world is certainly more, more important when we think about the truth of God's Word, right? and being sure we're not misinformed about God's Word. All right. This point comes from dictionary.com. Okay? My go-to dictionary, of course, is, on, is the Internet, and uh, if I need to understand a word, I go to dictionary.com. And the 2018 word of the year is misinformation. All right? And listen to what dictionary.com says about choosing this word as its word of the year. 
the rampant spread of misinformation poses new challenges for navigating life in 2018. As a dictionary, we believe understanding the concept is vital to identifying misinformation in the wild and ultimately curbing its impact, all right? And so here is a dictionary that is serious about not being misinformed, okay? They want the truth. So they ask the question, what does misinformation mean? Well, dictionary.com defines it as false information that is spread regardless of whether there is intent to mislead. They go on to comment, the recent explosion of misinformation and the growing vocabulary we use to understand it have come up again and again in the works of our lexicographers. And so if being misinformed is is so important to dictionary.com, and and I think we would agree, we we all want to know the facts, right? Well, again, if it's true out there in society, how much more true is it when it comes to God's Word? This morning in in the Bible class I participated in, we, we discussed 2 John. And as we introduced that study, we we just kind of shared with each other what we remember about themes from John's gospel because you see the same themes in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And one of the first things that was mentioned was truth, was truth. Truth is, is so important to the apostle John. Why? Why was truth so important? Because he says deceivers had gone out into the world and they were misinforming people about who Jesus was. And the same is true today. John has uh, in his gospel Jesus declaring that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so for John, truth is not just an, um, a collection of, of facts, of, of factual knowledge. It's actually embodied in a person, the person Jesus. And, and so if we want to know what truth is, if we don't want to be misinformed, then let's put Jesus up there. all right? And, and let's analyze everything we experience in this world against Jesus or who Jesus is. And and as we seek to be better informed, as we seek to be uh, more informed about who He is, constantly returning to Scripture, constantly looking uh, to His Word. Some of you may be familiar with the writings of Eugene Peterson, and in a book he wrote several years ago, he said, you know, if you think you know all there is to know from the Bible, you're going to quit reading it. Right? Well, how many of us think we know all we can know from the Bible? I don't. I don't think any of us do. So again, emphasizing that importance of always returning uh, to God's Word. So don't be misinformed. And of course, in the context of Scripture and God's Word and who Jesus is. The second resolution. Whoops. 
Claim a verse as your own. All right? Claim a verse as your own. Study it, memorize it, and live it. Okay? And here, here is where, where this challenge uh, comes from. I didn't bring my phone up, up to the pulpit, okay? But one of the apps I have on my phone is Uversion Bible. Anybody else got that, got that app? It is the number one Bible app for your phone or your iPad or even on, on your computer. It's developed by a church in, in Oklahoma City. Over 355 million people use this particular app. Okay, kind of the go-to go-to app for reading God's word on your uh, electronic device, and they just recently released their 2018 verse of the year. All right, they they went back, and the verse that was shared, bookmarked, and highlighted most often by their Bible app users, and again they have over 355 uh, million. Okay, that's that's quite a few people around the globe. All right? It was Isaiah 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Here's what it says. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. All right? So according to Bible app, this, this Bible app, that particular verse, again, was read, shared, and bookmarked more than any other verse in 2018. Well, as I read this, I, I thought, why wait to the end of the year to have a verse of the year? Right? Why, why not have a verse of the year at the beginning? Right? And, and so I, I want us all to resolve to pick a verse, to claim it as your own. And again, study it, memorize it, and live it, okay? And I think it would be, it would be pretty cool. Now, I'm not, I'm not the, the creative type, so someone's going to have to help me with this. If we can get a wall or a bulletin board somewhere in, in our facility, and as you make a decision on your verse of the year, write it out, put your name on it, and stick it on the board. Right. I've already chosen mine. Mine is Colossians 2, verse 8. Colossians 2, verse 8. There Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive by hollow or empty philosophy, which is based on human tradition and the elementary spiritual powers of this world rather than, than on Christ. Now, you might wonder, why did I choose that verse? I'm glad you asked. Next week, I'm going to begin preaching a, a series of lessons from the book of Colossians. And Colossians 2 verse 8 is going to be our theme verse. All right? Read the four short chapters of Colossians and, and I think you'll agree, I mean, and it's, it's packed. That little letter is packed with some powerful stuff, okay? But Colossians 2.8, the verse I just quoted, seemed to just kind of leap out at me, all right? And so we're going to use that as, as our theme verse. The second reason I chose that verse is because I think it ties right back in to resolution number one about not being misinformed, 
right? And we'll get into this more a little bit next week. But as human beings, we can be captivated by a number of things, right? I mean, we're captivated. Uh, we, we give our attention to shiny things and fan, fancy things and performances and events and all sorts of stuff. And if we're captivated too much, right, we can lose focus. Right? And, and this verse, uh, Colossians 2.8, is challenging us not to get caught up in the things of this world, and especially the philosophies and human traditions of this world. Right? But that's next week, in the next several weeks. Right? Claim a verse. Claim a verse. Study it. Memorize it. Share it. And, and again, let's, let's, bring, let's, let's make copies of them. Let's stick them on a wall somewhere. And it'll be interesting to see what we all choose, right? Okay. The new year. It's a time to reflect, and it's a time to resolve. Right? It's also a time to look forward. And I could not think of a word that begins with the letter R that means to look forward. So if somebody's got one, tell me later and I'll add it to next year's New Year's sermon. All right? But the future, okay, 2019, we don't know what the future holds. God does. We, we can anticipate the future. We, we can, I think, be excited about the possibilities of the future. But what are we going to do with it? How are we going to face it? All right, we've, we've reflected a little bit. We've resolved to do a couple of things. But what are we going to do about the future? Right. One story from the Old Testament might help us and might challenge us a little bit. So if you have your Old Testament, turn very quickly to Numbers 14. In, in Numbers 14, okay, Moses has been leading Israel out of Egypt. They are bound from, for the promised land. Right? So they've been wandering in the Sinai Peninsula for a few months, maybe up to two years. Right? Each tribe chooses a spy to go spy out the land. So there are 12 spies. They return... Ten have a very discouraging report, and only two, you know who they are, Joshua and Caleb, those are the only two who can say with confidence, let's go take the land. And so we pick up the story in verse 1 of Numbers 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron 
fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. The future is much like the promised land. We, we really don't know what awaits us. We, we have maybe an idea in, in some areas or, or upon some things. We, we can anticipate some opportunities. But this story from the history of Israel maybe can, can help us a little bit. Right, we, we can make one of three choices about the future. We can be fearful. Right, we, we can just cower in fear and be afraid and forget who we are and forget the God we serve and, and the name we wear. Right. Or we can retreat. And I mean, it's almost unbelievable to me that there were actually those among the congregation who wanted to go back to Egypt. I mean, back, back to slavery. Is that really an option? So we can be fearful, we can flee the future, or we can fight, knowing God is with us. And with faith, anticipate this new year. Again, as we reflect and as we resolve to do some things, knowing that the spirit who lives within us is more powerful than the spirit of this world. Right? Amen. Amen. So what are we waiting for? Right? Unfortunately, we have to take the future one day at a time. Right? right. Bring it on. Okay? And, and may God, as he gives us opportunity and as he opens doors, empower us even more fully with his spirit. As, as we anticipate taking the promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. And so what's it going to be? Fear, flight, or faith? The choice is ours. Let's stand.